0: Hello, and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose, and my name is Joss Golden. And today we are yet again returning to Aletha Salter's amazing, gorgeous, wonderful list of the Where parenting principles of learning. And today we are up to a really powerful one, which is number seven, which is earlier is not necessarily better each child develops at his or own rate. It's normal for children to lag behind in some skills while they are busy mastering others. And oh my gosh, isn't this one that we could really talk about for 10 episodes because it's such a key element of natural learning and something that really differentiates it from traditional schooling.
1: Yeah, it's probably the most important element of natural learning. This idea that each child is on its own unique journey with its own unique timing and its own unique interests and that we can trust our children to to find their way and to, to get there in their own time. And that's, yes, that's probably the most important aspect of natural learning and aware parenting too yes and we were having a little discussion beforehand weren't we been were thinking about how of course in a school environment
0: the reason why schools want all children to be doing the same thing at the same time is because if there's a large number of children which there are often in a classroom and because of the way often teaching happens in schools that that's how it needs to happen they want all the children to be at the same level because that supports them to continue teaching in in the same way that they do which is very it's the word didactic I don't even know is that the word (laughs) I don't know but anyway that's you know the kind of teaching too that still often happens and and really understanding that that's actually not how we are designed to be as humans we are each unique beings with unique talents and unique interests and in no way or i'm imagining again in any indigenous culture you know every baby and child would be being watched for what their skills are and what you know what their family lineage is and what particularly they're interested in and some might be really amazing at going down fast rivers with with a paddle and others might be you know amazing at kind of i don't know whatever it is and that's that's celebrated and honored whereas in the schooling system so often it's the opposite isn't it differences is are are tr- kind of squashed and seen as something wrong with the child mm. and how painful is that
1: yes that's right it's such a narrow focus in the school about what they're actually most concerned about in terms of children's learning and it's really this very narrow focus that and then they're trying to fit everybody into that narrow focus in a way that is just not doesn't doesn't capture at all the the uniqueness of of each individual human and the fact that we are all different with we have all got different timings and different interests and there were some things when I think about my own schooling experience there were some things that I love to do that I learned fast and there were some things that I really didn't enjoy or that I found really challenging that required more time and when our children are at home we can just allow that that process to happen and to take its course naturally. But in school, we can't do that because, as you say, these children are all in these groups where they're having to learn things together at the same time. And so there is very, very early on in your school days, this sense that you're either ahead or you're somewhere in the middle or you're behind with everything, with every subject that you do, every subject that you do, and in in every area. And so that starts, that sense of competition, that sense of comparison, that sense of judgment, that sense of questioning yourself as a child, whether you're good enough, starts right at the beginning now. Like right, and I mean, in Australia where we are, they start exams that start to give you like a quantified grade in your performance on reading and writing and maths. When you're eight years old, that was my experience as well. At eight, I had exams. And so from Before that age, probably, you've already started to internalize this idea that you're either really good at something or you're bad at something. You're either good enough at something or you're not, and you're either uh, comparing yourself favorably to others in terms of your skills and abilities, or you are comparing yourself harshly and going about your life at age six or seven or eight already thinking that there's something wrong with you because you can't perform well on a test. And that's so painful
0: isn't it Joss? I, I love what you say but i don't love it to you know I, I really acknowledge the core beliefs that get put in place so early don't they and we were talking about this as well how as adults then because we've experienced that so often the the comparison and the judgment and the way too slow at this or we're too fast and someone else you know to always to look to what other people are doing uh, in in comparison to us and that's where we learn all these horrible things that are still affecting most of us as adults where even if we're doing our utmost not to do that, we're looking at what other people are doing and it's so easy then to move into comparison or just feel uncomfortable feelings and to believe that we're not enough and that we should be doing something different or we should be more like someone else. And how much emotional turmoil is put in place in those early years because of that whole system? Mm. And how wonderful it's for our children to to not experience that, to not be compared to other people, to actually be celebrated for that absolutely unique journey and unique timing and unique interests, and to deeply trust that. I mean it's just it's such a completely different experience of of life, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And even if our children are outside the school system with things like social media and so on, they're still, subjected to this idea that we compare each other and that some people are more successful than others and some people are better than others and some people are more worthy than others so they are still getting bombarded by this same sense but it's not that same relentless day in day out judgment about who you are on the basis of how you score in an exam about something that you're probably not even interested in anyway. Or maybe you're just not ready to learn yet, but because you're in school, you are having to learn it now. And so there's no choice about that. So, you know, I'm sure that there were so many times at school that I I got a bad uh, mark in an exam, for example. And if I'd just been left a couple more years before I took that exam, I would have done so much better in it because I would have been ready to do it. Or if it had just been tweaked a bit so that it was more in line with what I was actually interested in then again, I could have done well in it. And then I wouldn't be questioning my abilities or questioning my worth. And even when people often say as adults, well, I turned out okay and I went to school. And then you, uh, when you explore that a bit more deeply, it's very often the case that people do still have these real doubts about themselves. They have this real deep questioning about whether they're good enough, whether they're worthy, whether they are worthy of respect and admiration, or, or whether they're capable of taking steps and doing things that they really want to do. And it just is so limiting. It's so limiting, isn't it? And I think it's because it's so much the
0: core and the fabric of our culture and our society of the disconnected domination culture. Again, it can be really hard to see, can't it? To to see actually this isn't an innate feature of human nature. We do not actually need to be comparing, competing judging doing all of those things. So again, I think that the further I've been going, and we've been talking about this, the further along in our journey we are. And the more we realise these aren't inherent things. We actually don't need to be judging ourselves or thinking we should be doing something faster or slower or you know, just constantly doing that, you know, what is what are other people doing and what should I be doing? Like that is not inherent to human nature. That is not how you know we're designed to be. We actually can be deeply listening to our own callings and our own timings and trusting ourselves and really celebrating others and their own unique journeys. But the, the traditional schooling system doesn't make that easy. It makes it really, really hard. And often for most of us, we've needed to go through long processes to support ourselves to get freer and freer from that and still in places are still deeply influenced by it.
1: Yes, that de schooling process was a was a really big, long, painful journey. And even the schools themselves, of course, are subjected to the same kind of comparisons and they have league tables of different schools and how well they perform in different exams or how many children they send to different universities or they're subjected to that same same sort of thing as well. So it's so deeply, deeply entrenched in, in education basically. And I think, you know, universities have the same thing too, and the league tables of different universities and so on. So it is all about that, that competition and that comparison, uh, which is just, yeah, it's so detrimental.
0: Yeah, and there are particular places where it really shows up, doesn't it, Like Often with art, for example, I mean, even then, actually, I mean, it still is even then, you know, can can you draw, does that look realistic? That doesn't look like a house. <laughs> you know, those trees are, you know, trees are green, you know, I mean, we, we, we do do that, but it's often, isn't it, particularly with things like reading, writing, where our culture gets really... I'm going to say, I've never used this phrase for a million years. I haven't used it for a long time. It gets its nickel in a twist, doesn't it? It's like, you know, is your child reading? Your child should be reading by a certain age. And if they're not, there's, you know, you need to be really worried. And that terrible fear that's put into parents about so many things, but it's particularly, isn't it? The reading, the writing thing is like, there's so much charge around that. And how hard does that make? make it for everybody, for parents, for children, that we all do have a completely different timing in relation to that process.
1: Yes, and it's valued not because that's the most important thing about learning in the real world. It's valued because that's the most important thing about learning in the school environment, that's the only way really that they can be sharing information and that they can be evaluating their students. So that's why it's really important. But it doesn't actually tell you anything. What year your child learned to read or write tells you nothing about their intellectual or academic ability, their intelligence in, in all the other areas of life. It tells you absolutely nothing about them. It doesn't matter in the real world at what age you learn to read and write. Um, and in fact, if you're free of that, It's actually so much better because then you're not judging yourself for not being able to do something yet.
0: Yes. How often I'm thinking, imagine if we went around going as adults, like, nice to meet you. How old were you when you first learned to read (laughs) or write? (laughs) It's so funny, would not (laughs) it?
1: Yes. And my children both uh, learned to read and write later than they would have been allowed to had they been at school. And when my son was at kindy that year and he was four to five, there was already some conversation about the fact that he wasn't doing those pre-reading skills and there was already some suggestion that he might require additional support in terms of learning to read. And when we first took him out of school, we were focused on trying to replicate school a little bit at home, And we did start doing, trying to teach him phonics and all that kind of thing. And then gradually we got more and more free of that and just allowed him to explore things in his own time. And he reads, (laughs) he's a brilliant reader now, and it doesn't matter at all what age he started. And my daughter had the same thing. She also started reading late, in fact, later than him, and had a completely different process in learning to read. And I could see that the way that each of their brains were decoding those written letters and those combinations of written letters into their sounds that they were able to to then make sense of and understand the meaning behind those words. And I love all that stuff because of my training in speech pathology, but I really love that. So yeah, I just noticed that both of my children had very different timings, very different processes around learning to read. And I love that being at home allowed them to just find their way with it themselves that suited their brains and their way of processing information because there's not just one way to do these things and there's not one time to do it in either
0: I loved hearing how much you enjoyed that that watching those specifics and really seeing that process and that that's another thing I loved about our whole natural learning at home is so many hours and actually seeing that process for them it's 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 like magical wondrousness isn't it to actually get to see how they are making sense of this information and internalizing it and then being able to replicate it so incredible mm-hmm. i also saw for my son and daughter had completely different ways of being with reading writing and completely different processes and you know, just again i'm just loved that they got to do it in their own way I know for my son in particular I might have shared this already but whenever we did workbooks which we tended to do near to a moderator visit because I wanted kind of official official ways and he just refused when you're talking about the tests he refused to answer it in the way that they would want so he would always find a way of so if they wanted in writing he would i don't know if it was maths he would kind of draw little diagrams rather than write things in words so he always found a way of answering it really uniquely i thought how interesting you know in a test everything would have been marked as wrong because it wasn't what they were looking for but he totally understood what was what was happening and I, i just loved that whole process just not wanting to be a part of that, no putting everyone in the same box it's so unenjoyable isn't it and and really judging people and and often diagnosing children if they are they have a different pace, not even slower, they just have a different pace and a different set of interests and a different desire and interest and willingness to learn it's I find it very painful to to see then that becomes seen as something wrong with them rather than. Children being so often the indicators of what is so awry about this system—they're like the canary in the coal coal mine. They're the ones who are actually saying, "Hello, (laughs) this system is really not working for anybody here." And it's so painful, isn't it, when they get judged rather than actually seen for for who they really are, as unique beings on a on a beautiful journey.
1: Yes, and it's interesting if we remember, like when our children are born. And if those of us who have more than one child, we can see right from the beginning how different they are and how different their processes are and how different their timings are. And maybe some, one of our children might learn to walk much earlier than the other or they might learn to talk much earlier than the other or, you know, all those differences that we see in our children throughout those first few years of their lives. And then there's suddenly this uh, this expectation that when they start school, all of those differences will disappear and everybody will have to do things at the same time. It just doesn't make sense, does it? No,
0: it's not, it's not even actually rational, is it? <laughs> when you actually think about it. No. Uh, the, and the thing that I'm really grateful for. As well as about the social differences, I know for my children they're both really. I call them highly sensitive, but we did the we did the highly sensitive test recently, and my daughter came out completely not highly sensitive. And I've always been going on for years about how highly sensitive she was. Anyway, I think that's because the test again. I don't think actually the test is measuring what what it thinks it's measuring. But that aside, they really liked spending a lot of time at home or just just with us as a family or with just one other family or two other families for a long long time they really didn't actually want to spend much time in larger groups and i'm so grateful that i really could support them in in that timing so even for birthdays you know again it was quite small numbers of children and it was only until they both got to i think actually it was a kind of a similar age for both of them actually about 11 where they actually suddenly like, I want to spend, a lot, you know, I want to be with people my own age a lot of the time. And it was a really big shift that happened for them. And, you know, same for like sleepovers and all those kinds of things compared to children that go to school, where often those things, you know, often around that, you know, five and six and so on. And there's often big birthday parties with everybody in the class. You know, we really got to go at a different pace. They really had a different, completely different journey around that. And I'm so grateful that they could really listening because I know for me as a highly sensitive person I would have loved to just really been hanging out a lot of the time with you know one or two other people rather than 30 other people
1: yeah I mean we spoke in an earlier episode didn't we about that impact of being in that environment where you are surrounded by lots of noise and lots of smells and lots of sounds and all that and how that impacts your learning and I know that like at school, I did really badly in everything. And I know that that was because I, I wasn't really able to learn because of the environment that I was in and being in a boarding school just didn't meet any of my needs. And so it made it impossible for me to learn in a way that they needed me to. And so I did badly in everything and I, I scored badly in my exams and I, and I was labeled as somebody who wasn't working hard enough, wasn't trying hard enough and all that kind of thing. And I know that I'm actually quite an academic person and I know that I'm an intelligent person but I it took me years as an adult to actually believe that I was capable in terms of that kind of academic learning that I did have value in in the things that I was sharing or the words that I was using or the the skills that I was I was acquiring and It really took me a very long time to unlearn all of those judgments of myself from school. And it was nothing at school about my capacity to learn. It was about the environment that I was in and the impact that that was having Uh, So I just, yeah, my heart goes out to all the children who are not thriving in the school environment and whose learning is therefore being impacted and who are then being judged or criticized or compared or scored in a way that makes them feel bad about themselves and bad about their skills and their abilities
0: yes and forming really core beliefs that i mean you changed yours and I, and I did too but many people don't actually get that opportunity to change them and it just it's so obvious isn't it because when i see you just i just see you as you so you'll you have such a clear thinking mind and you're, you know the way you write and to me it's you're so you're so competent and so capable and so intelligent in in all the ways and just so obvious isn't it that that environment was really not serving you and I just think you know I had a similar experience that I I just thought I was really stupid actually at school and I didn't uh, even those words isn't it badly or terribly but I I never I never got really high marks at anything and I didn't think I could go to university I, I applied to do an H&D in business studies if anyone's from England they might <laughs> know that was anyway uh, and I did better than my exams than I thought but again it for me it was it wasn't until I went to university and I actually had the opportunity of doing. Well, actually self-directed learning and and studying the way I wanted to and really immersing myself in something that I was really interested in and wanted to take many hours like pouring through all the books in the library and was passionate about it and, and driven and suddenly I was getting like you know I got a first for my first year the only person in my year and it's like oh my gosh how is that possible that I was told all throughout my school years like, you know just basically not noticed or not seen like the, the the way in which for both of us we were not seen in any way shape or form our capacity our capability was not seen I mean amazing that we both managed to kind of see ourselves in some way and do something that we were interested in a way that helped us do that but again many many people don't get those opportunities to do that and so I'm just so grateful that that we did and that we're here <laughs> we got to do what we, we do and gradually years, got to change those beliefs about our capabilities.
1: Mm. Yeah and what a painful process to have to go through rather than just being valued and, and celebrated for who who we were and, and how we were showing up each time in each situation and yeah how amazing like that you were judged as being not very smart And then you end up at Cambridge University and now you've got a PhD. And, you know, that is, it's just such a narrow, narrow way of looking at human beings. And it's so damaging for their, for their development and their beliefs about themselves. And yes, so many people think that they're stupid because they didn't do well at school. And that's just, you know, that just is so undermining for people. And, and, to have to go through all that work and then I think if we hadn't had those experiences at school, imagine what more we might have been able to do in the world and ha- how more we might have been able to contribute in a bigger way, so yeah it's really devastating <laughs> for people. It's really devastating isn't
0: it, yeah. And that's not even just in the academic terms, I mean think of all the other skills and capacities that we wouldn't, we weren't supported in that we would have loved to have done, I think for both of us art would have been something we would have loved to have done more and just. Because all those, I feel quite a lot of grief and sadness thinking of all, all the children, all those little bright souls, and you really see it, can't you, in those early years? Often before this conditioning comes in, the the two year olds and the three year olds who are like, you know, just wanting to learn. I think there are studies even, aren't they? They ask children at that kind of age, you know, what do you want to be, and do you care about, and that, you know, that's the the imagination of like, you know, I want to be a scientist, or I don't know all the things, and how that often changes. But yeah, just all the lost not only not only for us as individuals what we what we lost but also what the world loses what the culture loses in in all these cool beliefs that happen because i didn't you know because i didn't learn to read at five or six or something wrongly and i can't read think of all the people that might have wanted to write books or novels or be poets who actually didn't who just gave up on those dreams because they were told that they you know they weren't doing it quick enough and i think actually often people who take in inverted commas longer often there's because there's a completely different process happening there and often they have particular gifts and skills in those things that that don't get seen if they're being judged that there's something wrong with them because they're not doing a certain thing by a certain age.
1: Yes yes I mean the more we talk about it the more ridiculous it sounds (laughs) that's how most children grow up. And that's the experience for most kids. How, how can that be? How can we have got to this stage where that's how it? That's how we value. That's what we value, and that's how we judge each other. Um, what I love about aware parenting, as well, is this sense of trust: trusting our children, trusting ourselves, trusting the process, trusting their own amazing innate skills and capabilities to heal and, and to learn, and all of those things. And it just seems that the mainstream culture is so that's so missing in mainstream culture that sense of trusting trusting our children and trusting ourselves and i love this component of aware parenting that and i just see it being so liberating for our children to grow up with this sense of trust in their own unique perfect timing and their own unique interests and so on it's just such a, a beautiful way to allow our children to to blossom and to to bloom into the people who they are meant to be who they came here to be rather than to be limited in somebody else's judgments and expectations
0: yeah it's is interesting isn't it how that becomes more and more like the more we step out of it and the more deconditioned we get and the more uh de-schooling we do the more it just actually seems it, yeah it's almost that ridiculousness of like how, how can that be the case uh, i'm really grateful to my daughter she's taught me so much about this from from the birth that we had together, which was very, very, in inverted commas long to, she's always taken her time with things. And, and even now, you know, it's often that thing isn't there, at 18 or even younger than that, you know, you should either go to university or you get a full-time job. And she hasn't done that at all. <laughs> and, and she, I just, she's really helped me every step of the way from, from her birth to now and every step in between to keep going, okay, Am I really willing to trust her timing, my timing, and and from from all that I've learned from her, also the people I work with, to really, really deeply trust? I'm going to use the word soul, which I know isn't you know, Letha. Specifically, there aren't any kind of spiritual or deeper senses of that. But maybe I won't use the word soul. But you know, our deeper, the deepest part of ourselves that is unique that 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 we have a calling and we have a timing and to really trust that in a human being, and to to actually get rid of the shoulds and the have tos about you know what we should be doing at any certain age or what we should know, it's it's profoundly liberating to to do. Mm. I feel a sigh of relief.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, so lovely. It's so beautiful, and that just getting rid of those deconditioning ourselves from those ideas of being behind. It's just it's such a it's such a loaded. unpleasant word yeah just to be free of that at whatever age our children are that they will find their way in their own perfect timing so beautiful i love that you're bringing up that just the word behind i
0: often have it with people doing my courses and they say you know i'm sorry i'm behind and i just like to say a million times like there there isn't any behind i really deeply trust your timing again i just want to thank my children for really helping me helping me to really embody that mm-hmm. and you know, for all of us and for our timing too you know i'm 54 and i've been wanting to write a book and publish books and since, since i was at least for since i was 30 and it's, it's actually happening now and rather than saying oh it's finally happening well, i've taken my time so i really deeply trust the timing of all things it's like in nature isn't it like an oak tree is, has a completely different timing in England to a what would be a fast-growing tree here in Australia. Just you know, a lot of the things grow really fast here because there's a lot of rain, a lot of sun. It's completely different to to a, an oak tree, that takes many, many years. How how can we compare? Would we, be like comparing an oak tree to an Australian tree that I can't <laughs> name? <at all. laughs> and I'm not going to judge myself for not being gum trees. They don't even grow that quickly. Palm tree. Palm trees grow quite quickly, comparatively. Comparing a palm tree to an oak tree would be yes. like, why would we even? It's clearly would make no sense. Yes. To say to that palm tree, hey, palm tree, you're growing too fast. So oak tree, hey, oak tree, look over there at palm tree. You're really going way too slow. Look, you know, palm tree's way, way ahead of you. Like, what nonsense.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like you say, I mean, I've learned so much from you about this too in, in courses of yours that I've done where you do have this real liberating expression that you, you use to say, yeah, trust your timing. There is no behind. And and you know, we see it in, in our communities and things that people say, Oh, I haven't done like it's almost like I haven't done my homework. <laughs> it's it's so lovely for people to know that no, that we, we're not subjected to that anymore. We can free ourselves from that conditioning. That's all come from school, we can let that go. No, you will find your way in the own at the perfect time to be doing whatever it is that you're doing and it doesn't have to be. There's no need to compare ourselves. There's no sense in judging ourselves in comparison to everybody else because we are all on our unique journey, so it's nonsense. And the same with aware parenting as well and how beautifully liberating that is to be learning not to compare ourselves to other parents or or to judge ourselves harshly if we're not being the parent that we want to be or if our children aren't sleeping through the night yet or any of those things and instead to have this deep trust that in our unique families we're going through our own unique processes and we're learning and applying things in in its own perfect timing. And I love that about about both of these things and and I love it particularly about practising them both together. I think it's so powerful.
0: Mm, it's so beautiful isn't it and and even that like with courses or books for reading or anything as well there's also that sense often isn't there that not only that we have to do it at a certain time because that's what we got told in school but we have to do all of it like you do a course there's often that we'll bring that conditioning with us and i've managed to drop that you know we should do it all and we should do it all in order and we should do every module or if we're reading a book we have to read the whole book and listen to all the have to's and shoulds what about instead it's like Actually, maybe the modules or parts where that don't interest us, and that actually it's really helpful for us to really listen. Actually, I don't want to do that bit, I don't want to read that part of that book, or and and to to not only trust the timing, but actually that not everything is for everybody. So even if we've signed up for something, whether that's a course or a training or a, reading a book, that that doesn't that doesn't also mean that we have to do. All.
1: Mm, absolutely, yeah. And I notice in myself when I have something that I want to do if i start coercing myself and going into those i must do it i've got to do it today i'm behind i said i was going to do this or any of that then what i end up producing is it's not an enjoyable process first of all and what the uh, the result of it all is is not how i want it to be whereas instead if i just allow myself to to flow when it's flowing and to leave it when it's not flowing the result is A much more enjoyable process in the creation of that thing. And also something that I'm so much more, I'm so much more delighted about sharing in the world, if it's an article or something like that. And I do often find myself thinking going back into those shoulds and those, that sense that there's a deadline and the, I've got to hand in my assignment and all those things and it just adds so much stress and unpleasantness to the experience whereas instead when we are just free of that the whole process becomes so much more enjoyable and so much more effective
0: yes even that word deadline did you did you I have a show with you where it c- comes from the meaning of it anyways you look it up it's very unenjoyable so all of these words are like so full of oh, happiness aren't they again it's such a big journey isn't it if we have been to traditional school to actually gradually 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 over time notice that more and more and more Well, we are coercing ourselves and shooting ourselves and more and more and more really listening to our own timing and really trusting that and seeing that when we do that that's when the you know like you say about articles you write that's when the most wonderful ones happen when we really listen to ourselves and exactly the same with our children that they and they may suddenly want to learn a musical instrument at 17 or 25 even or you know whatever age 53 we might we might suddenly just want to start doing something and be ready and willing and goes to say that that's you know, any preferable than starting when you're three and it isn't
1: yeah I know there's this real sense, and that comes from this earlier is better idea as well, isn't there, of if you want to be really good at something, you have to start it when you're young. Otherwise, you don't have time to master the skills. And I just see it so differently now that if you want to be really good at something, you allow yourself to find it in your own time, and then you dive into it with passion and enthusiasm, and that's how you become that's how you master those skills. That's how you become. I mean, even that word mastering is pretty horrible, but, yeah, it's, it, I just see that, that's, that I don't think that's true at all anymore. No. I really wanted to go to learn to um, do ballet
0: on point and I did it a bit as a child and then a bit as a teenager. and then I started again in my early 40s and I got onto point when I was like 43 or something like that. It's it's like, so wonderful. I'm actually really glad I didn't do it as a child because I then really realized how much it wrecks one's feet and I'm glad that I hadn't done that when I've been little. So again, like really seeing that
1: there are always reasons why we're not doing something when we're not doing it. We can really trust that.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And again, it just comes back to the limitations of the circumstances of school that it has to be like that. Has to be that way. It has to be that yeah, everybody has to hand in their assignment at the same time, otherwise the teachers can't mark them. And you know, it's just it's all part of the same system. That's how it has to be. But I'm just so glad that my children have been free of all those limitations. Yeah. Mm. Let's really
0: see that in them, can't you? I can see
1: it in both of mine.
0: Like my daughter and I, we're doing this children's book, and she's doing the pictures, the illustrations, and she just hasn't been willing for quite some time. And I get going, are you willing? And I actually, realise I'm glad she isn't because I'm so busy doing lots of other things. There wouldn't be, there isn't actually the the spaciousness, and what I get is a. When there's a big yes for me, I really feel it in my body. I feel this. It's almost like there's this, uh, doors opened and it's like, uh, I feel it and I just feel that, that fluidity of moving forward. And if something isn't a yes for me, it's almost like the door was closed. And for so many years of my life, I just, I could, well, first of all, I couldn't even feel that the door was closed and I just kind of pushed, pushed and forced open every door that was closed. And now it's actually really hard for me to push the, the door. If, if it's closed, I, it's almost like physically really hard for me to do that now because I can just feel that actually it's a no for now. This isn't the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And I love that what that's teaching your children is, is about listening to themselves, listening to their own in, innate wisdom, listening to what they need at the moment and just really being deeply connected to who they are and what they need at any time. And that's just so powerful for them, isn't it? Yes, and that's what I see the wonderfulness, isn't it? That they, I, I see my
0: children have taught me that. Mm-hmm. It's not been the other way around. They've basically helped me get free, free uh, from my conditioning around these things mm-hmm. by constantly showing me what what the experience is of not doing that. Like, oh, okay.
1: Oh, you okay. really don't want to. Really don't want to. really isn't your time. It really isn't time for you to do that. Okay, I get that. <laughs> yeah. And I wish I'd understood that more as well, because I can see those, the hardest times in the homeschooling process were times when I doubted that. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to cough. So,
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. in between your coughing and my puppy's trying to chew things and snoring right now, if you can hear snoring, I've got one on my lap. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Trusting. Yeah, I'm so grateful to And actually, yes, that's what you said. I wanted to say the same. There are many times I did try and hurry them up or get them to do things faster. And I'm so grateful that they consistently showed me that they really didn't want to and actually weren't willing for me to hurry them up or force them to go Mm -hmm. at a pace that wasn't their natural pace.
1: Yeah, I, I did notice with my son, he often had feelings getting in the way of him being willing to do the next thing in his learning. And so I got quite, it got quite clear for me quite quickly, that distinction between whether he was really ready or whether there was feelings that were stopping him from being ready. And then that's where this beautiful thing that you invented in in aware parenting, the loving limit came in so beautifully, so many times around supporting him to release the feelings that were getting in the way and then liberating him to take the next steps in his learning. And it happened with lots of things with his training wheels on his bike and lots of different things. And just having that knowledge to be able to lovingly support him, to release the feelings that are getting in the way and then watching him just fly off into the next thing that he was wanting to do anyway was um, really powerful. So again, I love that combination of aware parenting and natural learning together. I just think that's another way that they complement each other so beautifully. Mm, they
0: do, don't they? And what I love, what you're showing about their jobs is what's happening there is actually, child's going slower than actually is their is their true pace. It's fit the feelings that are actually preventing them from going at the pace that they want to go. And so it's it's it can be both ways, can't it? So often, the school and this the DDC tries to force us to go faster but also when we've got painful feelings then we'll often actually we won't go as fast as we want to go some people actually like going really fast and doing things really fast and i've noticed that as well in our culture there's often that Similarly, like that judgment of like, you're doing it too fast and you should slow down and you probably need to rest. And actually for that person, that, that is their natural pace. That's the same with anything with children as well. Some children actually really like to, some children will naturally want to ride bike, swim, read and write, like do, learn languages, all kinds of things. Um, at an earlier age than other children well, And again, it's like rather than judging them as well or trying to slow them down, which some some education systems actually try to slow children down and prevent them from reading if they really want to read. But if we really trust that actually, yeah, like there, there is no wrong. There is no wrong. For some children, it's yeah. two, some it's 12 to read. And, and there's such a wide spectrum of wonderful, actually, isn't it so wonderful how different we all are?
1: that's what I want to say. Mm. So
0: wonderful.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then we're focusing on the sense of children taking longer to get to things or being behind. But of course, yeah, the same is true, like you say, of children who are ahead uh, in terms of them having to be so bored and uninspired in a classroom when they're ready to move on to next things, and they are particularly skilled and, and interested in something. And then all that skill and all that joy and all that sense of achievement that they get is is just take it away from them when they have to sit and wait for the rest of the class to catch up so that they can then go on to the next thing so it doesn't do anybody any favors regardless of where you are in that whether you're ahead or whether you're in the middle or whether you're behind it still doesn't serve you anyway
0: no and often children like that often get diagnosed with things as well or not seen or not understood actually because they're just really bored <laughs> And yeah, sometimes that can be seen as all kinds of other things going on rather than actually they, yeah, they actually want to learn. They want to learn more about something in particular. They, they've they got this concept. It's horrible, isn't it? As an adult, isn't it horrible when someone keeps telling you something that actually really got it inside out, back to front? Why do we want to, why would we want to sit listening to more?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No option to fast forward in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, I was also wanting to talk a little bit about like the the gradings and the certificates and the the honors certificates and and all of that as well. I love how you talk about the DDC and and how what a powerful tool it is of the DDC to be starting off our children at school wanting to try to get a certificate so that if you get if you get a certificate, then your parents are really proud of you and it's posted on Facebook and all that kind of thing about um your achievements and and to have your your value, again, it's about quantifying, or I suppose and that's qualifying, but anyway, it's it's about judging your value and and doing it in a way that uh, compares you to other people and how painful that is. I love how Alfie Cohen talks about that the more you reward children, the less they're actually willing to do um, or the more dependent on rewards they become in order to do things. And so for the children who are rewarded, it's not helpful. And for the children who aren't rewarded, it's not helpful either. So I love how clear Elisa talks again about aware parenting and about not having punishments and rewards in the family. Sorry, my dog is barking in the background. And he obviously agrees <laughs> how how damaging it is for, for children to be to be subjected to those kind of rewards as well. So the other end of the spectrum where you're being judged in that way.
0: I want to speak for the dogs as well my experiences as well as well that dogs are actually quite similar to and that actually a lot of the ways that we see dogs and that whole rewards and punishment thing we can we can translate aware parenting into aware dog um support <laughs> so all beings actually though don't they they want to connect with mammals anyway they want to connect they want to be part of the family they want to they, oh look feathers starting to bark as well. (laughs) So yep. Yes, we agree. And isn't it it's such the foundation of respect, respecting children, isn't it? Like really seeing them as a unique being and being so interested in them and and really like and having that time again, that's really impossible if it is an environment with one or two adults and 15 to 30 children children—that's just impossible time-wise to be able to inquire deeply into the to their inner workings and what they're interested in what they want to do and when they want to do and how much of it they want to do it's like the whole system is it's it's impossible for that to happen so you know so much compassion for teachers and all the people in that system are trying to improve it in ways that it's just not Possible to do really because in that system inherently is not it's not how we designed to be We are also not designed to be just one or two parents with one or multiple children either Which also makes often homeschooling really hard, you know natural learning if we live in those environments but to actually see what, how we designed to be designed to live in large communities where Yes everyone did gather together but each person was would be seen as having a unique contribution to make not squashed into a box.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and there's that sense that you our children don't experience our love as really unconditional if we're also using judgments and rewards and things like, you know, if you're a good girl or you're a bad boy or, you know, those sorts of words, it, they, our children can't experience our love as unconditional. If, if we're loving them more when they're achieving well at school or when they're, you know, getting a prize for being the best student or, you know, whatever it is, it's, there's no unconditionality there then. Yeah. And I think that often shows up in children, doesn't it? Where
0: there's that's often that starts to show up where, suddenly children like uh, you know have big feelings they want to be first and they want to win the race and they want to win the game and you know because they have started to really internalize all those things often from school and other environments so there is the and the whole ddc is based on isn't it fastest quickest most the slowness is not honored the, yeah, the quietness is not honored like all of those things so
1: yeah we're we're doing a lot to get free from that, aren't we? Yes, 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 yes. Ongoing process. <laughs> Going for us.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. Oh, mm. I love talking to you, Joss. Yeah, me too. Apologies for the coughing and the... <laughs> Blowing my nose every five minutes and pausing and switching off the microphone.
0: <laughs> and yeah, apologies. My for the snoring and, the, and <laughs> running off to go and stop the dogs from chewing on the electrical wires. <laughs> but actually, I wonder if, if the further we go on, Joshua, we won't be apologising for any of that mm. because we'll just be saying, hey, we're actually doing it from our real life and that's actually what we're really wanting to model, isn't it, I think? Absolutely. That actually, that's what we're parenting. Natural learning stand for is us. Unconditionally loving ourselves and actually living from a real life rather than from a some kind of pretend reality.
1: Yes, and and celebrating imperfection. (laughs) Let's keep doing that. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Is there something that you would like to invite anybody to think about as a related to this?
0: Mm, Yes. Were you hurried up? Or or slowed down in in thing as a child that you can really remember. That you that perhaps you might even see yourself um being affected by now. And yeah, what what would you like to what love would you like to give? What what support would you like to give to those parts of you so that you can really, really next
1: level trust your own timing? Mm. Oh, that's yummy. Yeah. And I suppose I'd like to say the same, but for your child, can you see all the times that your child has been able to learn and acquire amazing things with just your loving attention right there with them and that perhaps you might be able to extend that to all the other things that they're learning and, and acquiring too in their own perfect time
0: yeah yum. Yum, yum, yum,
1: uh offerings
0: would you like to share about your teenagers
1: course my teenagers course is now available and the first live round starts on the 28th of November and the sign up link on my website didn't work for a while so I had people messaging me which was lovely of them to say that they couldn't sign up but it's now all back up and live and working and I will be checking to make sure it keeps working so yes that's available (laughs) and that just goes through all of how aware parenting applies specifically to the teenage years and the challenges that we face there and how to develop beautiful strong and deeply connected relationships with our teenagers and to navigate the challenges so i love that and i also have free so, yeah. courses and articles and all kinds of stuff on my website about lots of other things too so what about you Marion?
0: love all your offerings joss and i just want to say like your your relationship with your with your teens is so gorgeous and beautiful so just love that you really share from that lived experience so, thank you I'm going to start my once a year sale now that I, most of my courses sites are back up again. I'm going to, put, going to be offering a sale on most of them and some of them I'm not going to be offering anymore after a while. So um, yeah, keep an eye out, out for those because that's going to be fun to be sharing about all of them.
1: Wonderful. You've made so many amazing courses. It's just, <laughs> it's really extraordinary. Wow. How lovely that you get to have a sale. Yes. I like my sales.
0: And thank you to all of our listeners. We're sending you lots of love. This is a big one. And so, if you've had feelings as you've been listening, we're sending you lots of love and compassion. And yeah, just come and let us know if you have any topics that you'd like us to be sharing on. Once we get to the end of our list, I know we've got lots of other things to talk about, but we're needing ideas. So, if you have any that you'd like to share with us, we would love to hear. And thank you for listening and supporting us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. We're very grateful. Lots and lots of love to you all yeah so much love we have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too we are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information to find out more about marion's work you can go to marionrose.net and for joss's website it is awareparenting.com.au we wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures